Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Network Show. I'm Noops, and joining me as always on the other side of the country, and it's good that he's far, far away, because as nice as the background looks here, unfortunately, folks, this is not real. I do not live on the ocean. I am uh, just outside of Philadelphia, where there's lots of snow coming down. Spread, have you ever seen snow before? Yeah, uh, we see it in Tahoe when I go like once a year, and I try to avoid it. <laughs> joining us today, we've got another guest here on our division series, Another guy from the Run Pure Sports team. Uh, that's how Spread was able to trick him into coming on. Travis Mangone, is it, I think? Yes, uh, right. Yeah, Mangone. Uh, perfect. Uh, some people struggle. They say Mangone. They, uh, you know, they mess it up all the time. But yeah, yeah Mangone. Uh, yeah, happy to be here. Uh, you know, I do the Run Pure Sports stuff, uh, the DFS side. Uh, Spread does the Run Pure Bet stuff. Uh, and it's, uh, it's good times. And uh, excited to be here and talk some hoops with you guys, especially Spread. I, I like talking with him. And if he likes talking with you, I'm sure I like talking hoops with you. Well, this is going to be great. It's always nice to have a third voice here, kind of balance things out, because Spread and I agree too much sometimes. But today <laughs> we're going to talk about the Atlantic Division. And since you are our guest, let's start with your favorite team, the Celtics of Boston, um, coming off, I don't know, what did you think of their year last year? I thought it was okay, right about expectation, maybe a little below. Um, you know, What kind of year did you think the Celtics had last year? And then what do you think of their offseason, you know, letting Gordon... Um, Hayward go, you know, making a draft pick, not too much from a change perspective other than paying Tr Tristan Thompson for two years for some reason. You know, how are you feeling about your squad? Uh, yeah, I'm torn. Um, I feel like we're – my big fear with this Celtics team is it's going to be like – not that it's going to be middle of the road, but I feel like it's going to be the bridesmaid all the time, I guess is the best word for it. Um, that is my big fear, especially with Giannis now like signing with the, the Bucks, right? Uh, I'm not the biggest Giannis guy. I like to hate on him, but uh, that team is definitely going to – uh, be a uh, force for the next five years for sure. Um, I have some concerns with this team. Uh, I, I'm not the biggest Kemba Walker guy. Um, I, I do think that getting rid of Hayward was, wasn't was bad. I didn't know if I wanted to do it for Miles Turner. That was the other thing. Like I, I understood people saying, hey, uh, you know, at least get something for him. But I'm like, okay, like we can let him walk to and use that money somewhere else eventually. We don't have to lock ourselves in. I know Miles Turner's contract is a pretty good contract. I think he gets like $18 million a year for the next three years or so. Like it's definitely a solid contract and they could make it work, but I'm perfectly fine with just saying, Hey, maybe uh, the next couple of years are they're solid years, right? They'll be a fun team to watch. They'll be in the playoffs, but we might always be looking for that next piece. And maybe we'll find that next piece in two years. I know Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson are not it though. All right. Well, I think when I try to frame up the Celtics to me, really what it looks like the plan is hope Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown take big steps forward. And one of them, you know, becomes like a top five to 10 player. One of them cements them. The other one hopefully cements himself in that 10 to 15 range. What do you think spread when you start to look at this roster, what are your kind of expectations and what do you think about that? I mean, could Tatum really take that next step? Could Brown really take that next step and kind of drag this team into championship contention? Yeah. De Tatum definitely could. Um, you know, he's definitely the centerpiece of this team. Brown's going to be the Robin to Tatum's Batman. I think that they've um, established that. And I think the reason is because Tatum is a better shot creator. And therefore, Brown works well when he's drawing uh, the attention of the defense. And, and he's a great facilitator, fantastic in transition, hits the open shot, and good defense. So I love that tandem. So they have that to start with. I actually think the Tristan signing might be a little better uh, uh, than, than Travis does because I really felt that Ty struggled there towards the end, you know, especially in the playoffs, that he's a great regular season guy and you want to run small. But it, when you do need that size, uh, I think Tristan will provide it for you. It'd be interesting to see who comes out uh, as the starter on opening night on that team. A um, couple other things about the Celtics. 
boy, we didn't know how bad Kemba's knee really was, right? And so digging into them, you know, for this pod, you know, and reading the articles from, you know, out of Boston, I didn't realize it's like close to like arthritic. So I don't, I mean, boy, that's like he said, that's going to be a tough contract there because he might really decline. Um, and, and in that case, you know, that's really tough. And I think that without Kemba, that their ability to start the, plays isn't as good. Marcus Smart is a good point guard, but I don't want him as a point guard for 30 minutes. I want him as a 10-15 against the backups. And as far as the Hayward goes, you necessarily haven't given him up for nothing yet because you have a $27 million trade exception sitting there able to use this season. Um, And the question is, will Boston ownership go into the tax to use it? Because um, I think I don't. I, they're only like what eight million under the cap or something. So, you know, twenty-one of it or nineteen of it would go, uh, you know, into the luxury tax. So, they are poised to make a mid-season move. It's just, do they want to take on the luxury tax? Uh, it seems like the ownership has been reluctant um, to pay the tax in the past. Um, but boy, if they're close and they were able to add someone, uh, that could be uh, the difference between this team basically doing the same as they did last year and being a true contender. It makes a lot of sense. I wonder if they have a move to make here. I mean, can you take maybe Kemba, use that trade exception somewhere? I was trying to think of a point guard that might be available in the market, something like that, try to fill in that position a little bit more. I mean, the tough part about letting Hayward go, and I I think that that's just going to improve them defensively. I think it's only going to help in the growth of Brown and Tatum as they have to, you know, take more of the load offensively. It is one less person. And as you start to look at some of the backfill spots, they were able to pick up Jeff Teague, who's, you know, a nice regular season player night to night. It's not going to kill you to have him play 20 some minutes a game. Not a fantastic guy when it comes to the playoffs, though. We're able to add some rookies. And I don't know that much about Nesmith. Um, We'll see. I think he's coming in injured right now, and we'll see if he's able to play himself into shape and get some real minutes here. Uh, you look at a guy like Peyton Pritchard, I'm not sure, again, what his minutes are going to look like. They seem to like Ojale a lot last year, but I wonder, again, what his role is going to look like. So for the first time, I think in a couple of years, Brad Stevens is going to have a little shorter bench than maybe he's used to. And again, I think maybe that's good for some of the better players, but I wonder how that's going to work kind of as we go through the season. You know, I, I agree with you on that. The, the bench, I will say, is like that bench last year wasn't good. Uh, I know, obviously, you had like Hayward kind of coming off. Like you had different guys, like Smart would sometimes come off the bench. You had different guys mixing it in there. But man, I I definitely have some concerns uh, with this team. I think, like I said, Teague makes some sense. Uh, Tristan Thompson. I do think like Jalen Brown. Like he is a good Robin. Like Spread said, I think you kind of need another Robin or maybe one that could even be a little bit better. And like. I don't know who do they use for that twenty-seven million dollar trade exception. Uh, do you have any ideas spread of who it can be? Um, because that's the thing that I'm looking at uh, that I'm trying to figure out. Hey, who can they go out there and get? Because it's great to say, hey, we have this, but what are we going to go get? Well, here's so here's the interesting thing, right? The first thing that comes to mind is obviously Bradley Beal, but then where do you where do you give the Wizards the incentive? So you have the space for him, but you don't really have the assets to give back. And I think that will be an, the luxury tax, and then really. Like, what assets are you giving up um, in order to, to get this player in? I think that's going to be another issue because, I mean, they pretty much ran out of everybody else's draft picks that Ainge swindled after everyone years ago, right? I mean, they only have their own draft picks now. I think I'm right about that. I think maybe there's a Memphis one hanging around. Um, but I don't know if they have enough assets to basically take on that salary as well. So, um, and and. And every year, right, Ainge is quiet at the trade deadline, right? Like every year there's all these options and he never pulls the trigger. So I don't know if there's a reason 
um, to believe that that will happen, even though they do have the, um, you know, they do have the ability to do that. If if they don't make a trade, how far do you guys see this roster going? Does this just seem like another second round exit? Feels just about right to me. I mean, just real quick before you know Travis gets in there. I mean, thinking about some of the names, could they make a move for somebody like Oladipo? You know, again, put a draft pick together with somebody, try to figure something like that out. Again, maybe one of the rookies they took last year. But there's not a lot of players. Again, what I think of kind of what they need. I actually don't mind Tice. I think he's a nice player. If, if he could stop fouling so much, um, that would make a huge difference. Tom will be okay. Williams to do that, Alex. Now, so we have Tice and Robert Williams. Just they each get twelve fouls a game. So there you go. That's, That's how pretty good. Maybe you can just like take some of their fouls, move to other people. I think they, they get a good. You guys got to get good at that thing where somebody else puts their hand up. I think probably you could <laughs> save a couple a year just on yeah, that. Yeah, usually that should be his job. Like, oh my bad. Like for <laughs> he takes all the fouls. Would they be interested in somebody like – I bet the, the Pistons wouldn't mind trading Derrick Rose. Uh, again, I don't know if he adds anything to this team, but I'm just trying to think about, again, like another guard, somebody who can handle the ball and stuff. What I don't know if that makes you any better. What about Blake Griffin, like with like the small ball? Because like I, I will say like I watch – I remember watching the Celtics last year, and I, I kind of said to myself – this is like a mini Rockets team in a way. Like I felt like they had that really good small ball vibe. Like you could make a case for Tatum at the five. I'm not saying it's ideal. Uh, I'm not saying it's the best route to go, but you could make a case that Tatum at the five can work. Like it's something that can happen. Obviously when you go against a guy like Giannis, you do need that size, but um, it depends on your matchup. Uh, so I don't know. What do you think of like maybe a Blake Griffin at the five with like a Tatum at the four? I wouldn't hate that. It'd be kind of a fun addition. And again, he's, you know, kind of like one of those multi-tool players. Like you said, the Celtics have a lot of guys you can kind of move around that do a lot of different things. So, and we've even seen Point Blake. I mean, that was a lot of fun in the Clippers when he was running the offense. I don't know if he has the same athleticism to do stuff like that. The only other name that stuck out to me, Spread, would your Sacramento Kings trade De'Aaron Fox to the Boston Celtics? No. He's he's the one untouchable guy. But when you talk about other guys that they might be able to pick up, like, you know, Holmes or Bialika, um, Maybe even a Harrison Barnes might also be nice additions. Um, Buddy think- Hill, would Buddy Hield fit in? I mean, he could shoot. And I will say, the one thing I will say about the Celtics, which is super underrated when thinking about them in general, like Buddy Hield has been like okay of a player, but he might really take a leap with Brad Stevens. Like uh, the Brad Stevens bump is a thing, right? So I don't know what player could come in and like, then they just take a massive leap, but Buddy Hield can maybe be that guy that takes a big leap. That could be interesting. Yeah, he's a good player, solid defensively. He's going to have more space on the other end of the floor. I mean, you probably don't even need him to take a big leap. It's just a nice another piece to have there on the floor to take up some minutes. All right, let's take a look at the win total. Last year, the Celtics, 66.7% um, win total. Bumps up to 67 if you take out some of the bubble games. Pythag was actually a little better at 69%. You know, so everything kind of looks just about right in that 67% range last year. Um, looking forward to this year, it looks like the books have been taking a little bit of a step back. Um, if you have a win percentage total, I'm seeing 63.5%. If you have just a win total, I'm seeing like 44 and a half, um, maybe a 45 and a half. Again, you're looking at you know a 64 to 60, I'm sorry, 61 to 63 percent win percentage. Again, a big step down. Um, you know, we've obviously don't have a lot of optimism listening to that last conversation, but it's still Brad Stevens. It's still a solid team. I I don't know why they would be so much worse um, this year than last. Uh, Spread. What do you think of that number? Yeah, I agree. I mean, we talked about our lack of optimism for their championship chances. Okay, this team is going to roll through the regular season. <laughs> I mean, they're going to roll. I mean, obviously, they're going to have problems against the other elite teams, and they're in the best division in the East. 
Um, but they're they're gonna they're gonna roll over the bad teams. Uh, they give good effort every night, and they can ha- they can match up with the best teams of the West when they take their trip out and when they come to town. So for their regular season win total, I I think that this is I think it's Kemba based. I think it's the fact that they're going to be going so long without an established point guard and, and that the lack of depth. Um, because I do think of all our you know contenders, this might be one of the worst benches. Uh, in my mind, and so I think that's one of the reasons they're down on them. But overall, I would be leaning over here. I think this team is going to roll in the regular season, and I think they're going to look fantastic. And then, like I said, I think some of the uh, issues or, or or drawbacks of this team will be exposed in the playoffs. But um, this is a great regular season team, and I'd be looking over. I, I think that it's um, you know losing Hayward and losing Kemba for a little while. I think it's being overstated by the books. I think that Brown and Tatum during the regular season are going to be able to to fill those uh, usage minutes up just nicely. So I like the over here. I think that they've uh, adjusted a little too far down. I lean over. I have a few hesitations, but I'll let Travis talk about it a little bit first. I mean, do you have any opinions on that number um, for your, for your Boston Celtics? Yeah. I mean, I lean over. Um, I, I, I agree with you. Like I have some hesitations. Um, obviously like one big injury could just, completely collapse it i think like uh if, if it's just like a three-week thing i think it could make it an absolute disaster um but i will say like one thing that isn't shouldn't go overlooked is when you lose a guy like gordon hayward uh he's a guy that did command some type of usage that usage now goes to tatum to brown like that is an increase right that is going to help them and improve them a bit um and i agree with what something you said earlier spread like tristan thompson is fine like jeff teague they're fine but they're more regular season guys that'll help bolster that and help bolster the win total right like when they're playing cleveland in uh february right and they want to give jason tatum a day off like that's where jeff teague will go out there and have like a 20 and 10 game and like tristan thompson goes for 12 and 10 and uh you know they look a lot better and that that helps along the way with the win total so i lean that over um and i do think uh, kind of talking about how tatum i think might just take like a bigger leap and just take on a bigger usage i think the mvp uh for him is really interesting to look at uh, we get sick of giving the award to LeBron James every year because LeBron James is, you know, amazing and the best. But uh, it could be fun to give it to Tatum this coming up year. So, uh, yeah, I think he's someone that he could take a really nice leap. And if they do have a really good regular season, um, yeah, I think he's in play to maybe take that thing down at long odds. I agree with what you said, Travis, about one injury kind of being really problematic. Even Kemp is someone that, you know, we don't feel great about. You need him on the floor, take it up minutes for other guys. So at some point he's got to get back and get healthy. Um, I think that the East in general has gotten a little bit better. So I think their level of competition is going to be a little bit higher. As we continue to talk about this division, just about every team in the division, I think, got a little bit better. um, Or at the very least, I don't think got worse. Um, now, the MVP bet you talked about, Tatum, I'm seeing 16 to 1. I like that. That's not too bad. I think that's actually come down. He was in like the 20s, I think, when that Yeah, he was at like 24 up. to 1, which I'm not happy to see 16 to 1. I'll say that. Like, I thought it was still at like the 24 to 1, which I think 16 to 1 is still okay. But uh, that, that 24 to 1, definitely, I, I feel like it lost a little bit of value. Do you agree on that spread? Oh, yeah, but I, lo- I love the look there. First of all, Boston's a huge media market, so having success there is better than, you know <laughs> – having success in Indiana or Atlanta, right? So, you know, that's obviously going to be a factor. The usage is there. And he's shown that he works in the offseason. Every year he comes back better. So, um, you know, he's shown he has the work ethic. He's shown he has the drive and the basketball IQ uh, to continue improving. There's really no reason to think that he doesn't improve. Um, You did talk about fatigue with LeBron, and the Giannis will have the same deal, right? He's had it two years in a row. Might be a little Giannis fatigue. Um, so yeah, I think it's a great number. Um, if you look at basically his skill set 
And, you know, if they are able to jump out, you know, maybe there's injuries to other teams in the East, which really puts them, you know, at the top of the East. You know, I think that they would, I think it's quite plausible that he were, could receive it. Yeah, Alex, the other thing I'll ask you is, uh, do you think, because I'm, I'm very curious to get your take on this, my opinion on like the MVP race in general, I've been looking deep at these odds and trying to figure out what the best one is. Um, I think a lot of these older guys are just going to like sit and like relax and like dudes like Tatum, they're going to be grinding, right? Like they're going to play like all 72 and like it's going to be a tougher turnaround with all the back, not all the backpacks, but basically the shorter schedule. Um, I think it leans for the younger guys and a lot of these guys that are getting like you know, the odds like James Harden, like I don't like his odds at all. I mean, I know he showed up uh, fat yesterday. Uh, you know, he'll lose the weight in a couple weeks or so. But I just think these guys are going to take more days off. It's going to be more relaxing. Um, and I think some of these younger guys get a bump because of that. I think you're dead on. Um, MVP this year, I think there's just a lot of names you can cross off easily. Um, I loaded up on Luka Doncic 6-1 to one when it opened. That's down to like 4-1. to one. Look around. There's still some sale numbers. If you can find even like a plus 450 is probably still value on Luka. Um, Tatum, by the way, I found a 26-1. to one. Um, so again, shop around. There's there's much better numbers. Again, it's 16 to 1, one place, 26 to 1, another place. There might even be a rogue 30 somewhere. But look for something, I think, in that mid-20s is a little value on Tatum. But again, Giannis, is he really going to be the next guy in the list of incredible players to get three MVPs in a row? Is he, is, is he a Wilt Chamberlain, um, Bill Russell, Larry Bird type guy? I don't know. Those are the only three people ever to win it three times in a row. So I think you just cross him off for that. Davis and LeBron, same team. I think they're going to split some votes. Maybe you'll see a little more Anthony Davis, but I don't think that he has, you know, the fire in his belly, if you will, to score, to take over and really try to, you know, rip people's hearts out. Curry, it's just going to be tough for him. I think he's got a bunch of usage. I actually have him to score the most points per game. I think at like eight, nine, ten to one, something in that range. But again, his MVP price is the same. Don't feel great about that. I mean, he's going to have all the focus. Then you've got Harden, Durant, LeBron, Dame Lillard. I was able to grab it like 25 to 1. He started to come down. So this is a couple of names I like. Like I said, Luca, if you can get plus 450 or better. Dame, you know, anywhere in the 20s is pretty solid. Um, Tatum, I like your pick there, kind of in the mid-20s as well. Is there any other names that suck out to you while we're just hammering through this? I mean, I guess we could transition to the Sixers in a way here. Like 40 to 1 on Embiid is it's intriguing. Um if he's healthy, of course, you have to worry about that. Um, he's looked really good. I do think he's going to command a pretty good amount of usage. And, like, let's say that Simmons, like, you know, ends up having this weird role where it's just, like, he's not getting the usage he was in the past. I know they talk about pushing the pace a little bit more with him. But I think Embiid as, like, a deep dart, like, I don't hate it. I mean, 40 to 1, I would take him over, like, Trey Young at 60 to 1, over Westbrook at 40 to 1. I mean, no one's giving the – Russell Westbrook Wizards, the MVP. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that's an interesting one that could be out there. And like Embiid has something to prove. He needs to get in shape. And the thing is, I think there's a ceiling on Embiid that hasn't been unlocked yet. It's like if the dude stops drinking like four milkshakes a night, like he did two years ago, and actually gets in real shape, like he could be an absolute force to be reckoned with in the league. Do you have a copy of today's newspaper or something with today's date on it? Because I think you could basically have said that every year for the last three years. And you're not wrong. Like, you just aren't. He's an incredible talent. Hopefully Doc Rivers pushes him. Hopefully he gets a, plays enough minutes to pick up the stats. I think you're right if he, you know, you got like a 50 to 1, something like that. It's maybe not the worst lottery ticket in the world. And, again, I have my Sixers bias. So um, keep that in mind. Um, 
not feeling too, too great about that. But let's put a bow on the Celtics um, now that we're kind of done with the MVP talk. Again, if you have another one that pops up, we can circle back. But I thought it was good to get that all kind of in one blast. Um, Celtics, again, sounds like we lean towards the over. Um, should be a playoff team. Feeling pretty good about that. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on their ability to win this division, You know, to have the best record of these teams? I'm looking right now, the odds plus 250. You know, they're the second favorite behind the Nets to win the division. Um, any value in that number for either one of you? What do you got, Spread? I, I don't – man, there's a lot of unknowns with this, this division, so uh, I'm torn at it. Um, I, I do think you can make a case the Celtics have more knowns where maybe you do take the shot, but what do you think, Spread? Yeah, because I think – and we'll talk about it later when we get to the Nets. I, I don't know where Travis is, but I know that you and I are kind of down on the Nets, and I think they're artificially inflating – the values of the other team. So you just sit there and you look at who you like of the three. And then hopefully, you know, by the end of this pod, you'll have a little better idea as we break down each team. Right. But uh, I think that it's pretty easy to say, you know, of the Celtics Raptors and um, Celtics Raptors and Sixers that uh, Boston might have the best record of these three. Right. So I think at plus two fifty, you're getting some pretty good value here. Uh, I'm not as worried about the Nets, who are the favorite. I'd be a little more worried about the Raptors, who seem to defy uh, expectations every year. And then, of course, if Doc Rivers really um, is able to turn this team around, you know, the Sixers obviously have the potential to win the division, too. So maybe still a little short, but I think that the Nets are artificially inflating the other three teams. I like your point spread. I agree. The Nets are kind of screwing things up here. I think it should be a lot tighter with, you know, so it's a five-team division. The big four really, Nets, Celtics, Sixers, and Raptors. I think those four should be a lot tighter than they are in the market with the Nets being a clear favorite. Still plus 140, but that's a clear favorite. There is another team I like a little better, but I think you're, you're dead on there. I, I couldn't talk anyone out of betting on again. Celtics, Sixers, or Raptors, the way the market looks right now. All right, gentlemen, I think that covers everything for the Celtics. So let's jump into now my favorite team, the 76ers of Philadelphia. Um, the Colangelo era is over. The Brett Brown era is over. Hypothetically, we're finally safe, and maybe we'll finally see these young men challenged, um, as Travis said so eloquently. Um, and Bede's great. He could be really great. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it's pretty tough, guys. But, um, you know, as you start to look at the Sixers spread, um, you know, what are your expectations? What do you think about all these new pieces and new things? Every year I overrate the Sixers, so I'm trying not to do it again. And maybe this will be the year, you know, that I jump off the bandwagon and they finally, like, live up to their potential. But, like, Embiid reminds me of just that he talks so well. He's just a great talker, right? You believe him. He reminds me of, like, the cheating husband who constantly convinces his wife that, you know, he's not going to do it anymore. And that's how I feel about him when he's talking about his conditioning and his drive. I mean, he gives the greatest press conference, right? I mean, you're fired up. And then you see him out there, and he's winded after 28, 30 minutes. And he can't give you more than 30 minutes. He constantly has injury issues, right? And I think a lot of that is from conditioning. Because when you're heavy, it's harder on your knees, harder on your ankles. Now, that hand injury was kind of fluky last year. But, I mean, he has problems with availability in the playoffs. And the thing that I hate about this team that I've been – you know, always thinking that they can get around it and seem to be wrong about is I just don't think that Simmons and Embiid are a good fit. I think that Simmons would do better in a five-out offense where he could attack the rim. And while Embiid can shoot from the outside, I mean, he's not necessarily like the best shooter. And I just also think that, you know, just like in the NFL, the changes in the rules have made, you know, I think going through the post is like running the ball now. You know, it's just like it's kind of an outdated version of basketball. Like, 
games aren't run through the post anymore, you know. Uh, the freedom of movement on the outside means the game is played on the perimeter, pick and roll, and you don't necessarily want a lot of clogging in there. Now, the advantage they do have and the advantage that post players do have is we all know the game slows down at the end, and that's, you know, th when you take the transition out, right, that's where Ben Simmons kind of gets weak, and then the ability to pivot to Embiid down low and get quality shots, I mean, that's fantastic, and hopefully they can take advantage of that. Uh, boy, this team really just has, don't you think it just has, like, boomer bust potential? I mean, they could potentially be in the finals, or they could potentially get swept in the first round again. Um, and I've constantly been beating on the finals drum and end up embarrassed with egg on my face, you know, as we get like, I mean, were you, you were a fan. Were you even impressed by the effort against the Celtics? It didn't seem like they checked out after game two. They did. I, th I think they really quit on Brett Brown and, and the team just kind of fell apart in the bubble there. And I was happy with that. I think that that was kind of for the best. You know, the rearrangements that you saw this year, bringing in Maury, bringing in Doc Rivers, I think for the first time again, Embiid and Simmons are going to be part of like a real solid organization. I mean, everybody talked about Brett Brown building a winning culture, but I never saw that. I never saw that from the leadership. I never saw that from him, you know, and I'll maybe disagree with you a little bit on the boomer bust thing. I mean, although there's a lot of arguments about how Simmons and Embiid fit together, the fact that you have both of them means you can lose either one of them and still be okay. I mean, what I love about this team is it's the most shooting that either one of them have ever had. I mean, as much as I'm a little concerned about all these Seth Curry is going to save the Sixers articles and it gives me heartbreak <laughs> and like heartburn just to like, ugh. I don't feel great about that, but Seth Curry, Danny Green, um, Shake Milton again. They finally started playing him last year. They're going to have a full season with him. I know Thibel has been in the gym working on some stuff. I hope that um, you know he's able to pick up his shot a little bit because he's a real game changer on the other end of the floor. Um, you know, again, I look at it. It's another year where the Sixers have a talented deep roster. Can they put it all together? I think playing at a faster pace is going to be great for Simmons. And I also think the, the pick and rolls are going to help. I think if Rivers can create situations where Simmons and Embiid are setting pick and rolls for each other. And I do mean that. I mean, it's Simmons picking for Embiid is a really interesting play combination. The few times a year they ran it when Brett, Brett Brown was coaching. I hope Rivers is willing to try stuff like that because again, with Harris, Curry, and Green on the floor, you stretch all those guys out. They should have as much space as they've ever had to operate. And you have two guys that are really good around the basket, pretty talented passers. I mean, as long as the beat is a double team, he actually throws a nice pass. Um, I think, again, it's I've sucked myself to, into the optimism. All right, Travis, as a Boston Celtics fan, you have to have only negative things to say about the 76ers. So break it down for us here. Tell me why I shouldn't be as optimistic as I am. Yeah, I mean, you probably shouldn't be as optimistic as you are because, uh, you know, Ben Simmons sucks, right? Uh, <laughs> not that he sucks, but um, he can't shoot, man. I mean, he's he's a great regular season warrior, right? Like, you know, he's he's uh, he's like uh, Giannis Jr. is a great example, you know. Uh, he's fun because no one plays defense in the regular season. They let him dunk on everyone. And then when it comes time to buckle down and play some defense, sure, Ben Simmons is going to play in that defense, but he just – you know, fades in the corner. He just hides and there's nothing that going on with him. So uh, I struggle with the Sixers. Uh, I kind of lean maybe going there under. I think they have an incredible ceiling. Uh, I kind of was spread, but I, I do sort of get your take on their floor being decent. I, I totally understand that. Uh, Tobias Harris also helps create like a nice floor and like kind of hurts the ceiling a little bit too. Like Tobias Harris and another guy, like, do I want to pay the max to? Pro probably not, but um they're a project, I feel like, the Sixers team. It's it's a really goofy team in general. I'm sure Daryl Morey will figure it out and try and make this team better, but um, I don't know. I'm not as sold on this team. Uh, I think that, sure, if Embiid comes out there and is the leader that you want, they're going to be incredible. 
But if he doesn't end up doing that, they're going to fold. I think all of it hinges on him. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Sixers go out and make a trade. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if Ben Simmons got traded at the deadline in like a random trade that you didn't expect to happen. So uh, curious to see how everything shakes up with, uh, you know, that team. And I still think Harden to the Sixers is off the table, too. Of course, that would make that team better. It makes um, so much I, sense. I still think it's on the table uh, for Simmons. Uh, I, I think it could could definitely happen. And you'll be, uh, yes, that that smile you have, Alex, that's one you'll be very excited about. Yeah, because they be fit a lot so of much fun. better. They That'd fit be so much better, especially with Harden. You can see him getting slower. So if you have Embiid in the middle and now he's just a shooter, it, it just makes so much sense. I can't, I can't believe it hasn't happened. And I'm going to be interested, Alex, because I know how much you live and die with this team. Um, I think the Doc Rivers are going to make them better in the regular season, right? You get great points about challenging the players. I think that we'll see some of the best efforts. But are you going to be just copying and pasting the same things from last year about lack of adjustments in the playoffs? Because we saw these Clippers, who had a more talented team than Denver, not make any adjustments. Well, Mike Malone coached circles around Doc Rivers, right? I mean, the guy's never been known for making in-game adjustments. And even Paul George called him out, and we give Paul George no credit, so I don't even know why I brought that up. But I, I'm wondering how Doc Rivers is going to do in the playoffs. The only time he ever won was when he had the absolute most talent in that 2019. So I, I think that I, you know I share your concerns a little bit, but as someone that's coming off all these years of Brett Brown, it's like anything, <laughs> right? Like no, coming yeah, in from no, the desert, I don't care. God, I'd, I'd drink a warm Heineken at this point. Like, it's just, ugh, anything's better. And I think that what happened with the Clippers last year, I think, as you saw, this this offseason was a lot more about maybe Kawhi and Paul George and maybe it was Doc Rivers. Um, I'm curious to see, again, can he challenge these people? Can he really be a leader in this locker room that, for a team that really is leaderless? You know, I don't know who's the leader of this team. It certainly isn't Embiid. It certainly isn't Simmons, and it's not anybody else. Um, again, I'm curious to see if – he can come in, build some sort of culture, set a framework here, and just challenge them. I mean, try to you know find ways to make them just a little better than the talented players they are. So I'm just optimistic to have a new coach. I mean, circling back to Harris, you make a great point, Travis. The contract is nuts. But I think that he's going to be one of the guys that's going to really enjoy having a different offense to play in, being more comfortable, I think, having some space. I mean – I believe Rivers was a coach with the Clippers when he was there, and he, he had a lot of success playing and running some of the stuff. Again, the increased pick and roll is going to be great for him. He's really creative and can attack in that way. So, you know, it's a deep team. It's a talented team. For the first time, I have faith that the people running it might be able to put something together. You know, again, Simmons and Embiid together still present all the same challenges, but, you know, hopefully we've, you know, gotten as much water out of the sinking ship as possible to see if, you know, it can hold up and run. So, as we start to look at some of the markets here from a win total perspective, the Sixers last year, 58% win percentage, um, 60% if you back out the bubble. The Pythag was right around 57%. So again, 57 58% seems pretty fair for what they did last year. As you start to look into this year, pretty much the same in the market. The win total percentage I'm seeing is 59.5%. If you have a win total, it looks like it's 42.5, maybe 43.5, maybe a 44.5. Um, some numbers floating around there. My initial reaction is maybe those are a touch high. Um, you know, I think there is going to be some 
bumpy roads, if you will, at the early season as they start to figure out how to play with each other with all these new players and all this new leadership with, without having the traditional training camp and the traditional preseason and stuff to get everything right. I think maybe the first month or so might be a little bumpy. So I lean under here, but given how good this team might be, if everything sort of fits together, I don't know if I can actually place that wager. What do you think, Spread? I think this is another great regular season team, and I think what this total is coming down to is can they get because because this team has the potential to be the best defense in the NBA, right? If they are, they sail over with ease. Now, here's the issue. So they brought in. So remember, Tom Thibodeau came to prominence uh, as Doc Rivers. Basically, he basically just let him run the defense like a defensive coordinator on that 2019 I referenced earlier. The Sixers are doing that again this year with a guy named Dan Burke, who I know nothing about. For all I know, he's like Doris's brother. I don't know anything about him, um, but he's supposedly tasked. Um, with running the defense the same way Thibodeau does. If they get this defense right, because they all have potential, the only one I don't really like on the defensive end is Seth Curry. And if you're telling me you can't hide Seth Curry, I mean, like, what are you doing as a coach, right, with the rest of these guys out there? Um, and then they also have my guy that you guys know I love that I can't believe is not a head coach, Dave Yeager on the, on the staff helping out Doc. I think that's huge. He's always been, um, you know, real good at – basically getting the most out of players, holding players accountable. I mean, he got a lot of flack for benching Buddy, but he wasn't basically afraid to bench one of his stars for not playing defense uh, when he was here in Sacramento. Uh, I love the addition of him there. So, I mean, the coaching upgrade is so huge um, when you're looking at this. I think the roster is slightly better. Um, I think that it fits a little better. I still don't like the construction of this team. I think that Simmons and Embiid, I, I think this experiment's like two years too far that I'm surprised in, in our short attention span society that we've done this so much. Danny Green's a great defensive player. Say what you want about his shooting. Um, we raved about Tybal all year last year, right? Um, Mike Scott and Dwight Howard are going to be good defensive players off the bench, right? So you're, you shouldn't even be getting that much of a, a downgrade when the starters leave. So if this Sixers team can be top five in defense, they go over. And if they're the best defense in the league, which they have the potential to, they win the division. That's an interesting take. I think you're right. They've always been a pretty solid defensive team. I mean, any team that's got Embiid covering the basket is usually pretty good. Like you said, you've got Simmons and, and Thibel, two, if, two of the, if not the best, perimeter defenders in the league. It's just pretty easy, like you said, every night, um, even with guys like Seth Curry on the floor. So I think that's a pretty solid breakdown. I mean, looking at the division price here, plus 390 is what I'm seeing, right around plus 400. That might be a little bit of value, again, given what their ceiling might be. But again, I'm not expecting them to really blitz the league this year. Um, you know, one of the things we'll talk about with the Nets um, more seriously is, you know, when you put new pieces together like this, it's a little wonky at first. So, um, again, I have all the faith in the world that and Doc Rivers and those guys can figure it out. Like he said, Spread, I don't know much about Burke, but Jaeger was a pretty solid head coach. It's kind of funny to see him not have, frankly, a head coaching job, but yeah. it seems like a solid little group of guys. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, any other thoughts on you guys uh, about the Sixers before well, we, we got to find out, three? Travis, are you going over and under this win total? Oh, sorry. Uh so here's my like so here's my take that this is this is like the take that like anyone listening will probably be like oh this is like the worst but uh like we don't have to bet it right like it's okay like i don't think <laughs> the like we're betting like let's let's just bet on the upside like i'll bet on like the division if i want to bet it like um yeah it's like the bad take right we don't have to bet like i remember someone asked me it's so funny they asked me on the monday Night football game they said oh what are you betting tonight and i said i haven't looked at it enough man like i'm just gonna stay away of course, I would have gave Nick Chubb first touchdown. That would have hit. I would have gave the anytime touchdown. That was my read on everything. But, um, yeah, I uh, I think we can just sometimes stay away. I'm going to stay away from the win total. If I do bet something, I don't mind the division, just betting on the ceiling of what spread said. Because 
I just think there's too many question marks with this team that if they do figure it out, they're going to hit that ceiling, right? Like, and that's what I want to be betting on, in my opinion. All right, let me give you a couple others in. Over under 54 games played for Ben Simmons. Over or under? Oh man, are they are they played on the on the uh, Sixers? That's my question. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like he's going to get traded, but uh, I would say over. I think he plays, of course. I, I think he's going to. You're not worried about the injuries from last year flaring up again? No, I'm Back not. Injuries always scare me. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm not too worried about it. Uh, and maybe that's me just kind of ignoring it too much, but I don't think it's that big of an issue. Okay. Yeah, I'm over over as well. Agree with all that stuff. He plays a lot of games. And, um, yeah, the back might be an issue, but I wonder if that was him just kind of shutting it down for the season more than anything else. But, um, but yeah, I definitely feel like Simmons is going to play most of the year. I was going to say, if I, if, I was, if I was a coach, like, looking to be really concerned about, like, uh, my team hitting this over, like, if all I was trying to do was try and do that, I would, like, sit and be during, like, games against, like, the Cleveland Cavaliers or something like that. That way, like, Ben Simmons can just go crazy and go up and down the court and put up, like, 30, 15, and 15, right? Like, I do think that the that Simmons can be really good in games where they just have him flying up and down the court. There's a lot that he can do, and he can be super impressive, but – I just worry about this team working in the long run. Like, I think that sure that it can coexist for a little bit, but like the Simmons and Embiid thing, it just, it's not it, man. Like it's not, they, they can't win a title with this combination. So what do you guys think about the comment here in the chat? Our buddy Ant saying that um, he'd rather trade Embiid than trade Simmons. Um, pretty much everybody talks about trading Simmons and keeping Embiid. I personally am an Embiid guy. I would rather have the great defensive big man and build the team around him than Simmons and his limitations. But there's something to be said for the fact that you take Embiid off the floor here, you could have one of the fastest, most dynamic lineups in the league. I mean, if you take Embiid off the floor, you know, uh, who knows what you trade him for, but let's say they trade him for nothing, right? Just trade him for a bunch of draft picks. Then you're still looking at a starting lineup of Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Danny Green, maybe you put Thibault on the floor um, with Tobias Harris and something like that, like basically just kind of throw away playing any big men. Um, there's not that really many centers left. I mean, maybe you, you take somebody and you try to trade Embiid um, for somebody who can still play a little bit of center, but you'd have this really fast dynamic lineup. Like you said, Travis, I mean, Ben Simmons is like a very poor man's Giannis in a lot of ways. Um, just let him run up and down the floor, just make it a track meet, and just that's the whole offense. So what do you guys think of that? I mean, if you had to pick, so maybe we'll just frame it up this way. Um, you know, Travis, if you had to trade somebody, would you trade Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid? Um, I would say I would want to. I would want to probably keep Embiid, just because Embiid's like a, he's kind of like a unicorn. Like it's something you just don't see, right? It's it's totally uh, different. Like um, I understand the Simmons take, and I understand he could kind of be like Westbrook was last year with Daryl Morey, right? I could totally see that uh, mindset. Um, you know, if you did trade for Harden and traded. Uh, you know, and bead for him. I, I could understand making that all kind of work, you know, Harden with Simmons and making Simmons more of like a big man. Uh, I could totally see that. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I just lean and bead. I think Embiid is just, I think he unlocks a higher ceiling than Simmons can. I, I what do you think, Fred? Guy Prince, I, I will trade Embiid. Uh, my idea is I'm going to get more years out of Simmons. I don't trust Embiid to stay healthy, um, you know, past three or four more years. We've seen plenty of big men's bodies break down. Uh, over the career, Simmons can guard all five positions. Embiid can only guard two. Um, I think that being able to get out in transition and ball handle is more important than being able to post up in the new NBA. And I just think that we Simmons' potential is the one that's been completely hampered by this pairing. I think if we saw him in a five-out offense where he was able to get to the rim without uh, a post man rolling to help and, and contest on every um, – because – 
Simmons isn't that good a finisher yet. That's what I don't like. He doesn't use his body to finish, so he really needs that five out because he needs to beat his guy and then just get an open layup because he's not doing as well as he should with the contest. Um, and it's like Embiid talks a better game, but realistically, like as far as like work ethic goes and actually watching their games improve, neither of them have really shown these huge improvements um, from year to year. They've been the same players they have been for the last two years. So I just think with Simmons, uh, I think that we have more potential that we haven't seen, and then I think that I'll get a longer career out of him. I think that his body has the chance to to hold up better than Embiid's. But, um, boy, it's going to be a damned if you do, damned if you don't, because if you get rid of one of them and the, and the other player goes off to win a championship, uh, you know, you're going to feel real bad, you know. But I just I don't think this pairing is, is set to last. I think both of them should be surrounded by four shooters, and neither of them are the shooters that the other one needs. So it's just so tough, and I'm just so surprised that they kept going year after year. But at the same time, Daryl Morey is probably one of the best GMs in the league, so if he thinks he can make it work, you know, let's give it a chance. Let's see what Doc Rivers, they've never had a real coach. So, uh, boy, this is really a make-or-break year for this pairing. And I, unless they make, you know, the Eastern Conference Finals are better, I don't see how this goes in next year. So this is most likely the last year, this Simmons-Embiid pairing, barring some unexpected playoff results. All right, gentlemen, I think that's enough talk on the Philadelphia 76ers. We're going to stay away from the win total. Maybe a division bet if you're feeling feisty. I'll bet over. Um, I'm just not hiring them for the playoffs. I think they're another great team that are going to steamroll during the regular season. All right, on to the Knickerbockers of New York. It's another sad, sad year at Madison Square Garden, it seems. Looks like they're going to be rolling out a lineup of Alfred Payton, R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson. There'll be some Nerlens Noel. There'll be some Kevin Knox. Austin Rivers is there. Frankie Smoke still in the building, ladies and gentlemen. Spread, sell me these Knicks. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be quick on this team, right? I mean, they're just talk about a team that's just not built right like how did Rand, how does randall fit in here with top and or robinson um the guard plays probably some of the worst guard play in the league i'm not high enough out for payton uh nick alina failed um uh, who's the other guy they got dennis smith jr failed draft pick all potential we never really seen it austin rivers was our only good pickup i mean but does he really translate to that many wins on a bad squad he's a guy that fits in well with good players he's not a guy that carries your team um rj barrett the only way this team is good is if rj barrett makes like not one step up but two to three steps up um i mean nerland's new well what are we doing here um so the good thing for the knicks is this is one of the best drafts in the year and they are poised to get a fantastic draft spot because not only is their roster terrible, they're in the toughest division in the East. So don't really have much to say about this team. I'm not, I mean, maybe they'll cover 12 point spreads every night. What is their win total? Let me pull that up here quickly. Uh, um, last year, it. let's see, last year, the New York Knickerbockers, where are Bovada they? has 22 and a half. Yeah, 22 and a half where the win rate's 31%, which is basically right on the nose for what they were last year. They were 31% win team. So the total basically has the same expectations for last year. Now I can make the argument that this Knicks team is better than last year's Knicks team by by, by a pretty wide margin. No, um, I don't know. Last, year's Knicks, worse. Knicks, last year's Knicks team was pretty bad. Like, uh, I mean, listen, Tom Thibodeau, he is, he is not, if you're trying to, uh, you know, get the over on your win total, like Tom Thibodeau is probably the coach you want there, right? Like, uh, if you're trying to tank your franchise and, and maybe get the number one pick, Tom Thibodeau is probably not your coach to be there. He is going to get the guys that, you know, like deserve the minutes. He's not going to go out there and uh, put out Frankie smokes for like 40 minutes a night. Uh, he's going to make sure to get Julius Randall, Alfred Payton, 
all those guys, like just like really solid minutes. So um, I know these guys are not like the greatest players in the world, but uh, they can put up stats. I guess you can make the case that defensively, they're just going to be such a disaster. It won't matter, right? Teams just going to be able to score up and down on this team. Uh, I, I'm not scared about any of those guys on defense. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the one thing I will say, the argument for the over, if you're making an argument is Thibodeau is not the guy to uh, kind of be uh, having your coach if you want to get the under there. Like the over helps with Tom Thibodeau. He's going to play the better players. He's going to grind it out and he's going to try and help uh, will the team the victory as uh, you know, some of those old coaches say. Yeah, great yeah, point great on point. the over, but I mean, what do you guys think about Thibodeau overall? I think this is a terrible hiring. I don't think he's shown any track record for development at all, and I think that his game is about 12 years in the past. He's trying to run a 2009 scheme in 2020 when the rules, the league, and the players and the dynamics have all changed. I'm not a big guy on Thibodeau. It's like, reminds me of when Kings hired Dick Mata, and probably only like one person listening to this will even know like what I'm talking about. But I mean, he's just, he's just so far past how basketball is played now. I don't think that was a good hire. Do you guys disagree? No, not not again. Yeah, I mean, for this year, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world because who do they have to develop? Like R.J. Barrett and Obi yeah, Toppin, and we'll get exactly. to Obi in just a second. I'd say R.J. Like, Barrett, just, Obi Toppin, and then not. This is a good roster just to have somebody to come scream him and run him into the ground, so that you know next year you have draft picks and they hate him, and you bring in the real coach after that, and they're like, oh my god, look how nice this is. Now, I do have some questions about specific players for you, Travis. There's two players on this team that I actually bet some futures on. Obi Toppin for Rookie of the Year at 6-1. to one. I think that there's a chance for him to play a ton of minutes on this team. As I start to look up and down the roster, he's arguably the most gifted scorer on the team. Do you see you know, a chance for him to put up some big numbers and grab some votes? And you know, What do you think of that price, 6-1 to one for Rookie of the Year? Yeah, I, I think you're making a great case for the Obi Toppin thing. Um, so the the Rookie of the Year award is very stat-driven, right? And Rookie of the Year, the other problem we have this year is a lot of these guys, like, they didn't play a lot, right, because of the college basketball thing. Um, you know, got to get shut down, March Madness. Um, but Obi Toppin makes some sense because of the team that he's going to play on. Uh, he's going to be able to just go out there and chuck it up a ton, and it's a very stat-driven uh, award. I think Obi Toppin is one of the better bets. I also think – like the Warriors obviously having a guy like James Wiseman, you typically see that there's like four or five teams at the top that all just are awful. And then their guys can go in there and absolutely stuff the stat sheet, but he's not going to be able to stuff the stat sheet with the team that he's on. Also, um, uh, Anthony Edwards, is he going to be able to stuff the stat sheet with the Timberwolves? Not really. Um, so that's where there's a great case to be made for Obi Toppin. I think that ball is one of the better bets because of being with Charlotte. I don't know what his odds are, but if you're looking at the guys that are the longer shots and not trying to look at the favorite, um, I do think Obi Toppin is a good one, so uh, I like the call there. Are you guys concerned yeah, balls that his four bad to defense keeps him off the floor? Or do you think Thibodeau is going to be stubborn with that? Because he wasn't a very good defender in college, and I don't see how his – and I think he that's why be. he slipped even to New York is because it's hard to see how he translates as a, as a two-way player in the league. He's going to be a scorer, and that's it. So I'm wondering if Thibodeau is going to give him a run or not. I would prefer LaMelo just because like the two to one difference, right? From four to one to six to one. I think I just would rather go to LaMelo because of uh, the concerns Obi Toppin can have playing with, like, listen, playing with Julius Randle, he will steal stats, right? He doesn't help you win basketball games, but he will do his, his best to stuff up that stat sheet and ruin some things. I just think LaMelo has the best route. And I also like, like their coach a little bit. I like James Borrego. I think he's a good uh, option. And uh, I think he's going to, you know, let uh, him get developed a little bit. And he's playing with some decent veterans too, that I think will be able to help in that department. So uh, I, I don't mind the Obi Toppin call, but I am definitely on the team uh, Lamelo camp. If I Should Randall and Toppin ever be on the floor at the same time? I mean, doesn't that seem like it's just going to clog everything up? I mean, 
we, we complained about some spacing on really high levels on a couple of the teams earlier. This team is clogged in the mud. I but it's like you can you can argue Julius Randle's one of their best players, so it's like how do you you not have one of your best players on the floor? And then uh, Obi Thompson's like they're gonna have to play together at some point. No, I mean they have to have a, more overlapping minutes than you'd expect. Like it, they need to play together. Yeah, you, you basically put Portis as like a small ball five kind of thing. Um, it was nice of you to say some good things out. about the Hornets, Travis. Spread love to hear yeah, that. We're on opposite it. sides of that, and uh, Spread is pro Hornets. I'm anti Hornets. The other player I wanted to ask you about: Mitchell Robinson is eight to one to average the most blocks per game this year. Um, averaged two last year, two point four the year before that, but in only twenty minutes a game. Like you said, Tibbs is a guy that likes to play guys big minutes. I think we only need Mitchell Robinson to play like 30, 31 minutes a night to get him to like two point six, maybe two point seven blocks per night. And that's pretty much what the you know league lead is right around that number. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, just why is he not starting? Like, I mean, the preseason team, he wasn't in the starting lineup. It, I don't know. I, I get it because I guess because you want Randall, and I mean, you could make Randall a four and a five. This team is just a disaster. We probably talked about them way too much now. I, I like your <laughs> I like your thought process on it. Um, <laughs> The problem is a lot of it is betting on like things that go right and like nothing ever goes right for the Knicks. So why would we ever do that? That's kind of my thought. All right, let's get out of Manhattan or where? Where actually? Man, yeah, that is in Manhattan. Yeah, and head to the other borough, Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn Nets. Kevin Durant is finally back. Kyrie Irving's healthy and seemingly interested. They're doing social media videos where they argue over how many crappy possessions each of them gets per game, um, splitting up shots in front of everybody but their teammates. Should be a pretty interesting locker room. Steve Nash comes in, first-time head coach, brings in some other names. I can't remember exactly who off the they top of my Tony head. Yeah, helping out, coaches. right? Yeah, Tony's in there, a um, couple other guys. Um and I'll start with you here, Travis. As you look at this really talented roster up and down, the starting five should look something like Irving, Lavert, Harris, Durant, and Jarrett Allen with Dinwiddie, Shamit, Torian Prince, and DeAndre Jordan being the first guys off the bench. You've got TLC there, who's a pretty decent wing guy coming in. Uh, what are your expectations? I mean, do you think this all comes together and the Nets are a real championship contender? Yeah, so this is this is where we fight, I think. This is where we put the boxing gloves up and, uh, you know, ding, ding. I love the Nets this year, man. Uh, KD is, I mean, dude, they're just talking up how good he looks and how great he's going to look. And, like, the other thing that I want to make a case for is, like, people always like to say, oh, well, this player, uh, we'll see how he looks after the injury. Like, some of these guys are just, like, super freak anomaly athletes. And, like, KD is probably one of them, right? I'm, I'm willing to bet on that. So uh, I think I'm going to believe what the players are saying with KD. I think this team is super deep. And the other thing I like about this team is they've had a couple years to really like develop some of these guys, right? Like Dinwiddie, Levert, even Jared Allen. Like Jared Allen went and played preseason last year because he wanted to develop his game. And these guys have played with each other a little bit. It's not like we're taking Chris Bosh, we're taking Dwayne Wade and LeBron James, and we're doing not one, not two, not three, and we're out here trying to like make a whole new team. It's really just taking Kevin Durant and plugging him in. Sure, you have to obviously – take Kyrie Irving and mesh him in still with some of these guys because it hasn't been full. But I don't think this is like the Miami Heat situation. I think you're really just bringing in one piece. It's not like you're bringing in Harden as well. If you're bringing in Harden as well, I could see some more regular season issues where there could be some clashing going on and just like kind of trying to get the team right and where they maybe make have some more struggles. But this team has gelled decently with each other. Uh, I love that they've bought in a little bit. You've seen them uh, kind of in bubble basketball. You saw this team exceed expectations and really go out there and put more of an effort than you expected. Um, 
I love the way this team looks. I think it's going to be awesome. I think it's going to be fun. And also Kyrie Irving, when he's happy and when things are going right, the ceiling is hit, right? And I think that's going to happen here. I think you're going to see this team in a good mindset, in a good spot. And I think you're going to see Kyrie hit the ceiling that you want him to hit. So uh, I am pro Nets. I uh, like them. I honestly think that they can make a run to, uh, you know, embarrass Giannis a bit and make it to the finals. So uh, I think the Brooklyn Nets are uh, back and uh, I'm in on the Brooklyn Nets. I would love this team if it was like we were playing NBA 2K. What I worry about is how everything's going to mesh, how it's going to fit. I, I know that, like you said, it's a team that's you know mostly the same as it was last year, but you've got a full season now with Durant and Kyrie trying to figure out who's the leader of the team. Is Kevin Durant going to be the leader of the team? Is Kyrie Irving going to be the leader of the team? Do you want Kyrie Irving being the leader of your basketball team? Um, are the two of them just going to weird everybody out? Like, are they going to like try to have weird competing social media stuff? And does it end up kind of feeling a lot like what we heard about the Clippers locker room last year? Um, Steve Nash, again, his first time as a head coach. I don't think he's ever coached anything, let alone a professional basketball team. And really respect him. Fantastic player, smart guy, love everything that he's ever done. But I think I have to have some questions about his ability to come in here, manage those egos, and then figure out what to do with the rest of the team. I mean, if you're a guy like Karis LeVert, you're third to eat. If you're Spencer Dinwiddie, you're third, maybe even fourth to eat after coming off a season where you know you were kind of leading the way there for the Nets, especially in the bubble as Irving wasn't playing. Um, I just really wonder about this team's ability to put it together. I wonder how much strife there's going to be. And if they do make a big trade, like kind of take everybody and dump them for Harden, then I think things get really, really weird. I think that you have just a really short roster and three guys that are trying to figure out, you know, who gets to take the last shot, the first shot, and every shot in between all night. What do you think, Spread? Yeah, I think you make some great points. I, I agree with both of you guys. First of all, I'm, I was going to go so heavy on fading the Nets. Until I saw Durant, and I couldn't believe it myself, so maybe he is superhuman. I, I've been telling you on this podcast and on, on the other stuff I do that I didn't think that Durant was going to come back at all. The only person who would ever come back statistically better off this injury was Dominique Wilkins when they shortened the three-point line, which I think had a lot to do with it. Um, and so I just was not expecting to see old KD. I thought that we were going to get more of like a shooter version, but I didn't think we were going to get the defensive versatility. I mean, it's only two preseason games in, but does that not seem to be the case, dude? He looked fluid out there. He looked just as fast. The shooting's never going to go away. Um, so so now we got KD back at like 90 95%, which I already didn't expect, okay? Then my next thing is like Kyrie Irving's been about 50-50 to ever make it through a season, right? I mean, half of the seasons he hasn't been able to make it through. I think that is a serious issue for this team because um, – as, as good as I think that Duran is, even if he is pretty much back to who he is, it's going to be tough for him to carry. I don't think he's going to stay healthy. You perfectly illustrated the locker room concerns. We saw him blow up a, a, a great team in Boston, right, and, and blow off a, a fantastic coach and not want to buy into his system. Um, and the Nash is another great point because now you just look at the Atlantic, right? As much as I just ran down Doc Rivers, he's, he's way better than Nash at this point, right? So – when they when they go to the playoffs, right? Coaching misadvantage against Spolstra, coaching coaching uh, disadvantage against Nurse, co uh, coaching disadvantage against Rivers, coaching disadvantage against Stevens, right? So he better hope he gets Budenholzer because that's the only guy he's gonna be able to run circles around. Um, so the coaching's gonna be an issue when it comes to you're taking their futures. Uh, it's a regular season team; they have so much talent. I don't think it's gonna matter because the end of the game's not gonna matter. They should be up by ten or fifteen against a lot of these teams unless they're playing the uh, elite teams. Great regular season team. 
Uh, I just don't really know what to make of their futures. But I'll tell you, my, my, my final thing would be is I was wrong about Durant. The guy's coming back, and he's looking almost as good as he ever was. So uh, that kind of changes everything. I, I still struggle to see how this team is able to really um, – win in the playoffs unless, I mean, Durant really returns to that 2016-2017 form. But can, I, can I counter real quick on your, your head yeah. coach, Steve Nash? Mike yeah. D'Antoni's there, right? Like, that doesn't help things out a bit? I mean, I no, think that's, that that needs to be mentioned for sure. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm i just going to buy into the team right now. I think the other thing that I want to mention, too, is if you look at, like, the Celtics, what is my concern about the Celtics in the playoffs? Uh, their bench isn't my favorite. Uh, the Bucks. what's my concern about them? I mean, they're not the greatest bench. They did make a couple signings here and there that were, were solid, but um, I don't know. We'll see. It's still Budenholzer, and he's terrible. My point I'm making is I think this Nets team has that really legit bench that makes them pretty deep in the playoffs where, like, I get it. Um, bench doesn't matter as much in the playoffs, but when you're talking about the guy who's number six, seven, and eight on the roster, they definitely still do matter. And I think that they could really, really matter here uh, for the Nets. So uh, that, that's another thing that gives them a big bump. Yeah, the talent on the roster, there's, there's no question that. It's a deep team. It's a talented team. All your questions are around, you know, spread. Like you said, Kyrie staying healthy. You know, Kevin Durant is a great player. He's a different kind of player. But Achilles, ankles, Achilles and um, calf stuff is never really great. Not There's not a, a long story history of players coming back from that and being normal. Again, he's a different type of animal. He could be the first guy to come back and be okay from that. But you have some questions around that. And then as you start to look at the market, the market is really bullish on the Nets here. I'm seeing a win percentage of 62.5, which puts the total right around 46 wins. That puts him third in the East. Um, I think that puts them top five in the league, top six in the league. So really, really bullish there. I mean, do either of you guys have an opinion on that number over or under? I was going to bet the under, but after watching Durant, it's a complete stay away now because he, he looks good. <laughs> I mean, I, I want to bet the over. The, the, the problem I have with betting the over is like, I don't know how they're, and I, I'd have to probably research this up. How are they managing like Kyrie and KD? Like, are they okay to sit them to, more than I want? Um, that is my question. But if they sit them in the right spots where I know Dinwiddie and Levert can carry, like, I don't know, man. Uh, I'm definitely uh, team over on the uh, Brooklyn Nets. Hey, I'm going to look at this one a little more. I think this is a team where you have such wide variants. I'm going to wait till maybe just before the season and see if we can get some, like, alt-unders. Um, because I think if it goes south, it goes south. Like, I mean – Top three in the East, I think, is going to be tough this year. And I think that if they struggle to start to put things together, you're looking at a four or five seed, maybe even as low as a six. Um, you know, I think, think they'll ramp up towards the end of the year and the playoffs are going to be different again with all those players. and They've had a year to put it together, but um, kind of a tough number there. As you start to look at some of their other prices again, their third favorite to win the title at six to one, a little better than the Clippers just behind the Bucks at five and a half to one. They're plus 270 to win the East, which again is just barely behind the Bucks at plus 250. Just a ton of ton of optimism in the market for the net so i'm going to try to find some ways to fade them i mean i can't see them being so bad that they miss the playoffs again it's a really deep team and in a weird way like if irving or durant get hurt it probably even simplifies things a little bit they basically just go back to the dynamic they had last year so not that you know against them again i think their floor is pretty high given how deep the team is but i'm going to maybe look at some alt unders and things like that because again i think there's a wide range either they could be really good not that i really feel that they are but if they're bad i think it gets kind of ugly hey so i want to pick your guys brain on an interesting subplot that may not be a gambling related but that's kyrie Irving's refusal to talk to the media here i mean this sets a bad precedent if they allow it to happen uh, you know they've already fined him a little bit 
if this continues, what, I mean, how do you guys think this subplot plays out? And I mean, even if it doesn't relate to, to the team's performance, I think it's fascinating. It's a bad precedent if you allow players to stop talking to the media. I mean, the media is your lifeblood on selling your product and, and gaining new consumers. Guys like us, right, we're going to watch till we die, right? But every business needs to expand and gain new consumers. And if you have one of your main stars refusing to talk to the media, all the rest of the guys are going to say, why do I need to talk to the media if he doesn't? So how do you guys think this kind of standoff plays out? Because I think it's an interesting subplot that might not really have anything to do with basketball. If they keep finding him, I think at some point he'll still show up and maybe he'll just do bad press conferences like, you know, do like random Bill Belichick, just like stares and grunts and stuff and aren't really answer <laughs> questions, um, you know, but at some point they are going to keep finding him and that's all the league can really do. I mean, create the financial incentive, right? They can't right. drag him and force him up into a chair and have him sit there and talk, but they're just going to keep finding him. I think at some point he'll get sick of paying those fines and. Uh, maybe they'll come up with some other way to kind of like ding them or some sort of escalating scale. There'll be some sort of weird Kyrie Irving rule that they come up with. But I think at some point he'll get sick of having to pay those fines and he'll show up. What do you think, Travis? Yeah, I mean, I think he'll show up eventually. So I'm, I'm not too concerned about it. But yeah, I mean, there are some there are definitely some concerns that uh, Kyrie, like obviously Kyrie and Katie with like the and I think it's mainly in our head because of what happened with Kawhi and Paul George, but a little bit of privilege for guys that have been there and been out there grinding and uh, been kind of help put this team in the place that they, to kind of get to a point where they can add another star or two. Uh, you could see that uh, happen. I'm not sure if it will, um, but I'm, I'm going to buy on the ceiling of these guys, and I think uh, I think it's going to all work out. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense to me. All right, any other thoughts here on the Nets, guys, before we wrap it up with the Raptors? Yeah, your thoughts on Landry Shamit joining this team. Is he going to be a contributor there? Well, former Texas quarterback Landry Shamit, um, he didn't actually play quarterback in Texas. It just sounds like a Texas quarterback's name. Like, shouldn't he have been like the Texas University quarterback for like three or four years? Like, Landry Shamit leads Texas to national championship. It just, it's just, um, I don't know. I mean, he's a nice player. Um, he was solid on the defensive end his first year. He wasn't as good on that end of the floor last oh, he year. Got I terrible. Trying he was to, bad try, last year. I was trying, maybe it was the system or something, or they were asking him to do something he wasn't comfortable because he was. I mean, he was a great defender when he was in Philadelphia, but he wasn't bad. And last year he was rough. I mean, if he continues to learn how to shoot threes, he's a smart player. He's not somebody you're going to run in the playoffs. Physically, he's really limited in what he can do. And maybe that was part of the defensive struggles. Teams just figured out how to overwhelm him. But um, Shamit should be a nice piece coming off the bench. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think once we talk Landry Shamit, that's that's when we move on. I think, I think that's <laughs> there, that was a perfect segue. Toronto Raptors or the Tampa Bay Raptors until further notice. Um, basically the same team they had last year. They did swap out um, Marcus Soule and Serge Ibaka for Aaron Baines which um, and Chris Boucher, which I'm kind of a fan of Baines. I think he's going to fit in here really nicely. I think he's going to do a lot of stuff those guys did, but also be a little bit younger. Um, they have a full season of OG and Anubi, which I think is something maybe people are underrating. Again, it's pretty much the same team last year with arguably the best coach in the league, one of the best coaches in the league. Um, a pretty solid roster. Siakam, you know, will hopefully have learned from his tough seat end of the year, you know, straighten himself out a little bit. I'm pretty high on these Raptors. I think they're going to be pretty good. Spread, what do you think of this team? Yeah, man. I Maybe we switched, switched spots since last year. I think that Baines is a definite downgrade. Um, from Gasol when you're looking at the matchups because Gasol was so big. I think that's why he troubled Embiid. I don't think he's going to give him any problems for that specific matchup. And we all know that Toronto-Philadelphia is quite likely um, to be a playoff matchup. Um, Siakam, 
And here's another one I had egg on my face about. I was pounding the drum for him being a top 10 player going into the bubble, and he didn't show up at all. He looked like, you know, we talked about Robbins earlier, you know, throw, you know, call him Burt Ward, right? Because he didn't look like a number one. Doesn't look like he has the ability to create his own shot. And, um, you know, you know, it's just so it's tough for me on their ceiling, right? To be to look them at the, past a second round team. Now let's go to the positives. Look at Malachi Flynn. This is the importance of being drafted into a proper organization. I, do you think that if he got drafted by like Sacramento or Charlotte, that he would look good? I don't, but he looks like he's going to be like Fred Van Fleet 2.0 um, coming in. So I think that's fantastic. I think they have great depth, and I think that the players they do have always end up you know nurse gets the most out of them there's they have they're another one we talked about philly's defense they have the opportunity to be a number one defense too uh, i love this team from a defensive perspective and you know they go deep they can absorb injuries in the regular season i think they're going to be a great regular season team and i think we will probably see some of their flaws exposed in the playoffs and that's going to basically be lack of shot creation in the half court at the end of games when it really needs to matter. But I think their defense is going to be so good. They're going to be up by 10, you know, going into the final six minutes a lot of times during the regular season. So their, their lack of ability to create in the half court um, is not going to matter. Uh, I do worry about them from a playoff perspective, though. What do you think of Travis? Yeah, I mean, like, they'll, they'll be themselves, right? They'll win games. They'll grind it out. I don't know what their win total is. But uh, I'm not the biggest fan of this Raptors team. I think you could see more of a decline, obviously, the loss of Ibaka, the loss of Gasol. Sure, they, they have Baines in there to replace, but um, it hasn't really been talked about too much. Kyle Lowry's 34. Um, he's and, and he's not like your typical 34-year-old. Like he, this dude has been like – he is Mr. Grind Minutes, right? Like he has definitely been playing a lot of basketball in his NBA career. So I think you could see more drop-off on Lowry. Now, you can make the case, of course, Malachi can help maybe pick up some of that, or maybe Fred Van Vliet makes an even bigger jump where that helps kind of negate it a little bit. But um, I have more concerns, I think, than most. And I also am concerned about Pascal. Like, what happened to him? Why was he such a disaster in the bubble? Is he going to be okay? I'm, I'm sure he's going to be fine, but did we hit the ceiling of what Pascal Siakam is? Because I was hoping we could see a, a higher ceiling out of him, and I have more concerns about that. So, uh, I'm not as excited about this Raptors team. I think this division has gotten a lot better. I think overall, too, the the entire East, uh, not East, uh, the entire uh, yeah, the entire, entire East has gotten better. Like you talk about teams like the Hawks, right? The Hawks are pretty good. Uh, are not pretty good, but they're definitely going to take a, a bigger leap than you you would expect. The Wizards are going to be a team that's grinding out more. I just think a for a team that is like all about grinding things out. Like there's a lot of teams that made themselves a little bit better that maybe they don't win as many of those games because they're a little bit closer. Uh, and I think you could see this team kind of take more of a step back than you expect. So I'm not as high on the Raptors this year. Yeah, I think what we saw from Pascal, again, I have no idea what happened, but I think that that was a big step back versus him hitting kind of a, a ceiling. I wonder if maybe he built himself up too much and was trying too hard to push this team through the playoffs, trying to fill uh, the gap that Kawhi left. Maybe there was too much pressure on him for that. I don't know. I, I think we will see him to return to what he was kind of in the regular season last year. In general, I don't agree with spread generally on what his ceiling is. I think that he is maybe a top 20 player, probably not a top 10 player, though, ever. Um, yeah, you know, he's I'm, a nice player. I don't that. Yeah. I mean, in terms of, you know, their win total, this is one of actually my favorite overs because last year, you know, they had a win percentage of 73%, 72% if you back out the bubble. The Pythag was even pretty high, right around 69%. And the lines they're hanging are in the high 50s. 
Um, the win total percentage I'm seeing is 57 and a half win percentage. The totals I'm looking at, um, there's a 43 and a half down to as low as a 41 and a half last time I checked. So uh, the market is expecting them to take a big step backwards. I mean, we're talking about, you know, almost a 10% drop in win percentage, depending on which number you're looking at. I mean, does that make sense to you guys? I mean, does the market have this right? Should they really be that much worse? No, this is overall day. I ran down the reasons why they can't be a contender and why they're not going to make noise in the playoffs. But this is a team built for the regular season. You get 100% effort every night. And if you're not bringing it, Nurse is quick to, to move you in and, and get someone else out there. They're going to develop these younger players, so their bench is always good. Uh, this is overall day. This is the easiest bet for the whole division, for the whole podcast we've done so far. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say, that's, that. I mean, listen, I, you heard me. I'm definitely down on the Raptors, but that 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 line is really down on them too. And it's like, listen, I could be down on them and still think maybe I lean that over because of what the line they set, right? It's all about what the expectation is. And the expectation is that line is, I don't know, maybe it's taken too much of a step down. and Maybe it's one we can even wait on. I don't know where it was to open. I think that would be the question to ask. What was the opening line? Maybe you can keep waiting for that thing to free fall even further um if it obviously goes up then you obviously want to get in now so that's the thing you'd have to know do you know what the opening line was alex um i'm going to try to see if i can figure that out i, I don't think it's moved stayed pretty steady these yeah. markets don't move a ton really what you get is kind of variance the juice they so if you shop around if you shop around again like some places have this 41 some places have this 43 and a half so keep shopping around keep looking there isn't really a market movement here for the most part but certain books will move i'm trying to see yeah, I, I do think them landing in that like low 40s range makes some sense. Like I don't see them hitting the 50 range at all. So uh, I, I do think that's that's fine. Um, but I don't see them going under it right as much. Like I don't see them being like a 39, 38 win team. Um, so uh, yeah, I think that's a good call. Yeah, they absorb yeah. injuries better than everyone else. What do you guys think about the fact that they'll be playing in Tampa and not Toronto this year? Does that matter at all? I think that this is going to be a year without much home court advantage, basically, unless you're an elevation city like Utah or Denver, not really anybody's going to have home court advantage. And, um, you know, in a way, it might not be worse to be in, in Tampa Bay to start the season. I mean, it's going to be warm. They're not going to have to deal with any snow. They're not going to have to deal with coming across the, the border every time they try to play a game and dealing with all that stuff. And I think that a lot of those things affect teams based on the team. This team to me is really tough. It's a strong unit. They're not going to get weirded out by having to play in some different arena. I think that this is a tough organization. It's going to be fine. I don't think that's going to be a big problem. Again, especially in this year of COVID when no one really is going to have a home court advantage. Only only question I would ask about that uh, situation, and I don't have the answer, but it's something I would like to somehow find out is, like, are they going to have family members with them? Because like not having family, that could cause issues. I know a lot of the players talked about being in the bubble and not being near family was an issue. Um, you saw that with Tatum uh, a little bit. Siakam too. He mentioned that a lot. Yeah. So it, I don't know if family's going to be there. Um, I, I would want to know that answer before making this bet. I would say that. Um, I know it's like, it, there's a lot of feel to that, not really knowing the answer and how it can uh, play out, but I at least would want to kind of have the data before I made the bet. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I thought I remember reading somewhere that there wasn't going to be too many restrictions. Basically, you're just kind of following the state restrictions at that point. Um, but that's definitely something to do a little more work on. But, you know, again, still like the over anyway. I mean, even if it is, um, you know, kind of limited here. 
Yeah, it looks like they will be able to have some people there. I'll dig into that a little bit more, but I, th I think that's a great point here. So, you know, we like the over and the win total, plus 440 to win the division. This was a bet I actually made. I got a plus 490 right when it opened. So they've taken a little bit of money in that market. I still like the plus 440. I think, again, this is a regular season team. And if the Nets don't figure things out right away, if the Celtics see an injury, if the Sixers are slow starters, you know, all three things that we talk about being very real possibilities, the Raptors come in pretty much the same team, same situation. I think that they just kind of chuckle along and there's a chance that they get an early lead here and hold on to it um what do you guys think about that division bet plus 440 yeah i think it's great I, the nets have made all these division bets great so choose a team and you're I, I value just, whoever you like i just don't like the raptors to be able to pull it off but i, I think i'd rather go celtics or, or sixers on it than uh the raptors but i get it the you know they're a grinded out team and i wouldn't i wouldn't be shocked if they somehow take the one spot like it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me at all um so i i get i get the take you guys are having with the nets inflating some of the totals yeah, I like what you're saying in terms of the Celtics and Sixers, but I maybe look at them more to win the conference because I think they're going to be better teams at the end of the year. I mean, your division winner is basically an alternative to a, a regular season win total market because that's really what you're looking at here. And I think regular season-wise, they'll be solid. But you're right, once you get to the playoffs, I don't think that they have the same top-end talent, you know, Every night that they play in the playoffs, the other team's going to have the best player on the floor pretty much. So um, going to be tough for them from that perspective, but like them in the regular season. All right, gentlemen. I think that just about does it. Any other thoughts on the Raptors? Any other thoughts on the Atlantic Division here before I do a quick recap of things? Yeah. So let me uh, – no odds, no nothing. Who do you guys have winning this division? I'm going to go with the Nets, man. I mean, I know it's like chalky, but uh, I, I think they get it right. I think the team's going to be uh, – I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this year, and they're going to be uh, a nice little force. And we'll probably be seeing them in the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't have to worry about odds. It's probably the Nets or the Raptors. All right. I'm going Boston. I think Brad Stevens is going to get this done. I think Tatum's going to make a huge improvement this year and be a legitimate MVP candidate. And uh, even though Kemba is worrisome, I, I just like the depth and the way this team's run. So Boston's my, uh, my pick here to come out of the Atlantic, to win the Atlantic. All right, everybody, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Before we wrap up and say some thank yous and goodbyes, Boston. Um, some concerns about maybe some injuries there, but we lean over on their win total. Um, don't mind a bet on them to win the division. Philadelphia 76ers, um, I don't think either of you guys had a play on the win total there. I certainly didn't. Wouldn't mind to get a bet on them to win the division. The other Celtics bet we like, by the way, was Tatum to win MVP. Um, didn't want to miss that. The New York Knicks are going to stink. Obi Toppin might be rookie of the year. Mitchell Robinson might lead the league in blocks. We like both of those at, at pretty big numbers. Um, the Brooklyn Nets, they could be really good. They might not be. We're staying away from them pretty much anywhere in the market since there's so much enthusiasm there. And finally, the Toronto Raptors. Um, we like the over there on the regular season win total. I've got them to win the division at plus 440. Um, Gentlemen, thank you so much. Travis, thank you so much for coming on. Again, you know, you can find your stuff at Run Pure Sports. I know you work a lot with spread there. Anything else you want to talk about or let the people know before we wrap? No, just uh, check out Run Pure Sports, DFS stuff. Uh, we got the Run Pure Bet side that spreads on uh, tons of awesome bets. I put some in too, so uh, check it all out there. And my Twitter's at Travis Mangone if you want to find any of my stuff. Beautiful. That was good. I was trying to look up your Twitter there. Thanks again, everybody. Like I said, for watching, listening, we really appreciate it. We would love a rating or review on whatever podcast service you're using. You can follow us on Twitter at NetworthPod to make sure you get these videos as they come out. Again, this will be available in podcast form as soon as Spread can get it done. Um, you can reach out to us in our DMs there. You can find Spread on Twitter at Spread Astaire, myself at underscore noops. Thanks again, and we'll be back shortly with another division preview. 
Good luck in all your wagers.